This is something you don't want to miss. On January 15th and 16th, I am running my free live class called Wanting It More 101, Increase Interest and Enjoyment Without Pressure or Guilt. I only run this class three times a year and here's what people say about it. This class was one of the only therapy type things I've ever attended that gave me a sense of hope and ownership. Jana explained hard to approach and awkward feelings in a way that didn't feel icky or uncomfortable. I felt so heard and seen. Thank you. If you love the podcast, you need to come to the class. I will explain in a step-by-step way why you don't feel desire and what to do about it. Your husband can join with you or you can share the recording with him or you don't even need to tell him you attended and there will be a recording. It will be sent out to everyone after we are done the two classes. But, and this is a big one, the chat box, which is full of so many hundreds of women's comments and contributions will not be available on the recording. So you definitely want to prioritize coming live if you can. We really do need community to heal from the damage that culture has done to both women and men. And this is how I offer it in a free way outside of my paid program. So if you want to learn how to want it more in a safe, comfortable, respectful, self-honoring way without pushing yourself, pressure, guilt, discomfort, or resentment, this is the class to come to. And just because I know that people are nervous, it makes sense. There is no way for people to hear or see you. It's not even an option on the type of Zoom meeting I use for these classes. Your privacy is very important to me. So all of the amazing discussions take place in the written chat area, and you don't have to participate in that if you don't want to. To register, go to janadentonhouse.com free class. There will also be a link in the show notes and choose which time you would like to attend, either Monday, January 15th at 1 p.m. Pacific time or Tuesday, January 16th at 5 p.m. Pacific time. The class is geared towards women, but many men find the content incredibly helpful. I hope you can attend and I also hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome back to the Wanting It More podcast. My name is Jana Denton-House, and today we are joined with Rowan. Rowan is a graduate of the Wanting It More program and has graciously agreed to come here and share all her personal information with us. So Rowan, before we get into that, why don't you let us know a little bit about yourself? Thanks, Jana. So I'm Rowan. I live in uh, Canada. I've been married over 24 years. I've got three beautiful teenage boys and um, work in the military and stumbled onto your podcasts and then found your amazing course. So I'm really excited to be here, um, hopefully to inspire other people uh, on their own journey. I have no doubt you will, because as we talked before we hit the record button, uh, I was just sharing that. She we'll talk about this later on in the episode, but she had done, I'll put a little teaser here. She had done something in the community that dramatically changed the round that she was in. So stay tuned for that little nugget. So Rowan, why don't you give us a little bit of a background? What was your history growing up in terms of your sex education, your sexual experiences through childhood, adolescence, and young adult years? Sure. So um, as some other Canadians might remember, there used to be a sex radio show called Sex with Sue. Um, yes. Sue John, she only just passed away this year. Um, so that was um, a big part of my sex education. 
my mom, bless her heart, um, with three daughters, I was the oldest, um, decided that I could help her fold laundry while she put on the Sunday night sex show. No way. And we wouldn't talk about it, but it was on there to be listened to. Because she would talk graphically, if I remember. It was very awkward and embarrassing, but I give my mom full points for giving it a good Canadian try. Um, as awkward as it was, because otherwise we didn't talk about it. Um, the message was, um, you've learned all this in school and otherwise don't come home pregnant ever, um, which was great when I got married, <laughs> trying to, to bridge that um, etiquette or eat it, I guess. Um, so yeah, I had an okay sex uh, education, I guess, through school, sex with Sue. Dr. Ruth Westheimer was on the radio back then in the 80s as well. Um, so I feel like I knew a lot. Um, my early sexual experiences, for the most part, were very positive. I had a great uh, early boyfriend. We explored a lot, kind of everything but PIV, as you say in the program. But um, by the time I got married, um, things got off to a rough start, shall we say. And um, over 24 years, we kind of made the best of things had some kind of truces over things over the years, but it was getting to the point where um, we really both wanted something more, but didn't know how to get there. Um, I'd been to pelvic floor physio, I'd been to no BGYN and hadn't gotten a lot of great answers. Early on when we got married, I had a lot of problems with pelvic pain and um, navigating the military medical system was awkward. When I finally did see an OBGYN, she was lovely, but was like, oh, dear, dear, it's just fine. She's this lovely older um, woman of Indian descent. And she's like, you just need to have a baby and it will all feel better. I'm like thinking, how do I have a baby if we're barely having sex? Because it hurts so much. And she's like, it's fine. I'll just send you home with this cream. I'm like, well, what is this magic cream? Lidocaine. Lidocaine. It is a horror story I hear too often. Let's numb the vagina. Yes. And I was thinking, well, how's that going to work for my husband <laughs> in terms of anything? So we didn't use that. We did miraculously manage to get pregnant despite the challenges that we were facing. Um, and it things did feel better after that. So in that regard, she was right. Um, but that wasn't, um, yeah, a fun time. And like many new parents, sex wasn't a priority for a long time. And um, it became something else on my to-do list that I wasn't super excited about. And that came with increasing amounts of baggage. And as we talked about in the community, often the longer you go without doing it, the bigger and bigger and bigger the elephant in the room gets. And that wasn't fun. Um, There were periods like we went probably almost a year without having PIB. And that was a big friction point for my spouse, my husband. And for me, just brought up a lot of guilt and shame, feeling like a failure. What's wrong with me? And yeah, not great. Um, later on, we went to see another OBGYN later on. And her perspective, oh, it must be your hormones. Let's put you on testosterone. This will rub up the fires. Mm-hmm. And um, I wouldn't say that it um, didn't work. It did help a bit. But again, I realize now, having gone through the program, we were missing the safety piece. We were missing the focus on pleasure. 
Um, and the the dynamic was just sadly very focused on, well, how do I make my husband happy? Yeah. Um, and that was not a fun place to be. And I felt alone and embarrassed. And one of the biggest gifts of the wind community has been realizing, oh my gosh, this isn't, sorry, I get teary, isn't just me. Um, because I felt horribly alone and broken in this state for so long. And um, we saw a marriage counselor, her um, answer to the problem aside from working on our communication skills and boundaries and stuff was um, to go to scheduling sex. Um, And for us, that kind of created a, a peaceful truce. Sunday morning, this was the deal. So then there was no pressure the rest of the week. Um, and I could kind of psych myself up for the event and make the most of it. Um, but after a couple of years of that, like things were, for me, were degrading. It was getting more and more difficult to orgasm at all. Um, I wouldn't say I was dreading the Sundays, but I was certainly not looking forward to them, sadly. And then I stumbled onto him and realized, oh my gosh, it's not just me. And even better, there might be an answer out there um, to do something totally different. And that's where we were in the summertime. And here we are six months later and things have changed a lot. In the community, you had shared quite a bit about your journey with understanding boundaries and becoming more assertive, speaking up, finding your voice. When you look back in your history, do you see those themes emerging, like you struggling with that um, maybe in other relationships or just personally in your life? I think definitely boundaries um, are something that have been a repeated theme in my life. And I guess as with many things, um, life keeps asking us to repeat things that we haven't learned thoroughly enough the previous times. Um, Yeah, I grew up in, fortunately, a relatively happy household, intact marriage, um, but lots of drama and angst like many people growing up. And I took on the role as a people pleaser. I was the caretaker. And um, that really kept me safe as a young child and later on as a teenager till I could escape my parents' house. But um, now I realize that coping mechanism comes with a big cost because we stuff ourselves. We don't listen to ourselves. It got to the point where this like ripples in my life in so many areas, I didn't even know what I wanted anymore, which when we got to whim and one of the weeks was intuition, that was kind of like, exciting but also terrifying because I was like oh my gosh I have no idea what I like about anything really anymore I know like the things that are hard no but what do I like what do I enjoy what do I want to do when I don't factor in anybody else and um that's where I see like I came to win because of sex <laughs> but it's had ongoing ripples in terms of setting better boundaries both like in my marriage with my teenagers at work um etc like this is the lowest we're in the christmas season right now 
And I have not had such a chill holiday season in my life, certainly not since before we had kids, because I've set totally different boundaries that I never would have had the guts before to do. And I've focused on, right, well, what do what is it about the holidays I like? What do, how do I find pleasure in this as opposed to what I should be doing? What I think I must be doing? What I think other people expect me to be doing? And that keeping everybody else happy. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's amazing how the skills from whim may start in the bedroom, but come out in so many other amazing places um, as well. So You mentioned caretaking as something that you a skill you developed rightfully so in childhood which was probably great for you it made sense yeah makes sense so looking back uh, I know you talked some a bit about painful intercourse and that being sort of the focus on trying to figure out that problem and if you could solve that problem then you would solve the big problem and we know that that isn't always the case How do you see caretaking? How is caretaking showing up in your sexual relationship with your husband? Um, I think the challenge was, particularly for us, from my perspective, it meant sex was all about keeping him happy. What did he want? What did he need? Um, What did he believe he needed? And those kind of messages around that. And it was very me focused on giving, providing caretaking and I had long since frankly abandoned like what do I want in any of this which when I think back to like my early sexual explorations as a teenager um, things then were much more mutual and exploratory and fun and curious and pleasurable and somewhere frankly it had become work as I said another job I needed to do something else I had to perform something I wasn't performing well at which just fed into more kind of that negativity cycle and that loss of confidence um which certainly didn't help um yeah both the physical and the emotional and certainly mental plane of of any of it so yeah it's so easy to see how women who are experiencing pain whatever that is many different types of pelvic pain would focus on let's just fix the pain so that I can go back to caretaking and that's probably what you started to see when you scheduled the caretaking because as we know we redefine what sex is and often people will say well I've tried scheduling it and it doesn't work and I'm like agreed it doesn't, and you have to figure out, well, what are you actually scheduling? So if you are able to articulate that, what were you scheduling? If we could replace the word sex. Um, we were scheduling um, an opportunity for PIV where. I'm going to just pause. Some people don't know what that means. It's penis right. in <laughs> vagina. Yeah. Sorry, penis in vagina. Um that guaranteed my husband an orgasm probably had one for me too um can I ask you this was the orgasm for you yes and no um from my husband's perspective yes from my perspective it was something else I needed to perform to tick in the box 
because otherwise it would keep going until I had achieved that um, milestone. It's funny, I was just watching the movie Hysteria recently on Netflix. <laughs> what a good one. Yeah. Very, very interesting about all those cultural messages um, and such. So, yeah, and it he very much wanted me to find it pleasurable. And it wasn't that he was a jerk or an awful husband by any means. He was lovely. It just, for me, it had just become something else that was required. And it had taken the fun out of it. And there was, yeah, the physical release was pleasurable, but compared to what we experience now with exploration days, XDs, like it's, it's like going from a black and white movie to like the IMAX full surround sound, the huge screen, everything else. Like it's just uncomparable. Um, the, the difference. Um before and after so let's get into that now I know what you're talking about when you say that I I completely understand I think what would be helpful if we broke it down for people listening so Mm -hmm. when you say black and white what specifically are you referring to so sex primarily focused on penis and vagina Mm -hmm. before was um, black and white in the sense of, yes, there was this connection, um, but it felt very simple, very superficial. Um, For me, frankly, I just wanted it to be done as quickly as possible because even once the pain was gone, which was a huge relief in the later part of our marriage, it still was like, okay, can we just each have our orgasm done? I got lots of other things on my to-do list. This is sufficient. Let's move on with my day kind of thing. Versus um, with an XD, um, there may or may not, to be honest, we still haven't had PIV yet, um, but have just been so busy exploring other forms of connection and um both emo it's because it's just it's three-dimensional because it's not just the physical touching anymore like if you think of the love language yes my husband's love language like many men is physical touch for me it's quality time and words of appreciation so right there there's a disconnect but now rather than just our scheduled time together being focused on this physical connection happening now it's a case of we're talking, there's that vulnerability. So there's the emotional piece, there's the intellectual piece, because we still are usually doing some kind of learning activity, whether it's watching one of your videos or something else that one of us wants to bring forward. And then there is the physical aspect on it as well. And rather than be focused on that kind of culturally expectate, like expectation of, yep, there's the arousal, then there's the PIV, then we have both have an orgasm, and then we're done. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Now it's much more of like kind of like a wet on wet watercolor rather than this black and white line across the page. It's things are moving in different directions. There's a pauses and there's ebbs and there's flows. There's excitement pieces and there's um, quieter periods. Sometimes there's some sadness or tears, um, but it's just so much richer in all these dimensions. Um, So yeah, it's just, totally different and I never 
like to me it's heartbreaking that in our culture we don't um communicate teach celebrate sex in this much more broad way um and i think with porn and stuff it's only getting worse so yeah as you're talking it just it's so interesting to look at these side by side for me and i'm feeling very inspired to do like a chart you know and and really do like a comparison uh, this is a beautiful imagery of this black and white and that sort of IMAX, um, you know, surround sound, uh, immersive experience. And mm-hmm. sex before is, is well, let's call it like the media sex formula is outcome driven. Yeah. And it's wild to think that it's not even beneficially outcome driven for both parties and then exploration dates are intentionally driven so the intention is the there's no goal there's no outcome you're looking for other than an opportunity for learning but it's actually an intention so where the intention is an exploration of safety and uh, uh, sorry connection and pleasure and in order to do that, you need a framework around it. And that's where you have the intuition piece, the safety piece, the connection with your body piece. And as yeah. now we're we're looking at teaching men, I don't know when this uh, episode will come out, but maybe we will have launched a full program for couples. Um, so we're looking at men being able to develop emotional awareness and body awareness and that compassion and empathy and um, self-responsibility. So each, each part of the couple is, is responsible for working towards that intention. And that's when you get, I think what you're describing is like true satisfaction. Yeah. And I think the other thing that comes up, like pops up in my mind with that compare and contrast, and it came up in some of the discussions as well, um, in the, in the discussion board is, Beforehand, when I think about my experience around sex, um, I was always fighting to be present. I had done like an entire book on mindfulness in the bedroom. I had been practicing meditating and all this because often I was always thinking about, oh, yeah, I got to do this. And what about the kids and this? And I spend the whole like that whole Sunday morning time period. Focus. <laughs> remember to be present and actually pay attention to what was going on because I was really struggling with being there. My mind was freaking everywhere else and after our first xd the biggest learning thing aha moment for me that blew my mind was oh my gosh i was present the whole time i wasn't struggling fighting with worrying about all these things i had been fully present and the only times that i drifted off course i realized was when i stopped directing and for me that has been the huge um shift is recognizing that for me to be fully immersed in the experience and um is having that permission um to direct things and then that brings me totally into the moment which has been a game changer for me and for my partner because he could tell before like I felt awful because I'd be trying to look like I'm paying attention but then still distracted and he knew I was off in six million other places. Um, and I think that's been a huge surprise and like 
total bonus to both of us is how into it um, I am at this stage. And yeah, that's been a total game changer. That's a huge change to go from caretaking to directing. Mm-hmm. What has that looked like? What what skills have you developed? What what hard mountains have you climbed to get to this place? And 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 as we all know, it's an ongoing learning. So it's not that you've ar- arrived and and everything's perfect. You know, it's yeah. an ongoing process. But that's a big jump to take. Yeah. We're not crossing a Rubicon, <laughs> that's for sure. Um, frankly, it's been messy. And that's where um, part of this as well for me has been embracing the messiness of things. Um, because again, like my family of origin, lots of issues around perfectionism, overachieving, overfunctioning, <laughs> um, ties into all that caretaking stuff. And part of this has been like, um, just the messiness of, oh yeah, I'm not sure. Okay. So we're going to lie here for a few minutes. I'm going to listen to my intuition and see what comes up. And then it's like trying to be quiet and present in myself and see, oh, well, maybe I feel like trying this. Okay. Let's give this a go. Oh no, no, that's not working. Okay. Let's try something else. And that's okay. Um, so some of our XDs have been very, um, slow or perhaps even boring if you would write them out by culture standards. And yet they still had this amazing depth of pleasure and connection, um, regardless. And some have been more adventurous and acrobatic kind of stuff. But um, yeah, it's this evolving permission to, to do that exploration piece, to have that wonder um, and to have that patience with both of us checking in like, is this working for you? Is this working for me? Yes, no, okay, more or less. Um, let's try this and having that, yeah, those options and that confidence to speak up. Because again, I would say before I was just with the caretaking focus, it was always like, well, how do I just frankly make this end as quickly as possible? Um, versus now, um, now I actually have to worry about actually setting a timer because it's suddenly like, oh gosh, okay, it's one in the afternoon. We gotta actually go face our teenagers downstairs who have not asked what on earth we're now doing on Sunday mornings. It takes so long, so far at least. Um, but um, yeah, it's yeah very different in that regard. I have to laugh because we also have our XTs on Sunday and we also have teenagers. That is so relatable. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. like you start to feel like a really bad parent at some point. You're like, have they eaten? Are they are they still sleeping? Like, what are our teens doing? How yeah. has your husband reacted to that shift in you? Um, it's been positive. I think for him, there's a relief. There's an excitement that I'm wanting things more. Um, I think at times it's also weird for him because it's different um, and it's unsettling. And because things are are messy in terms of, oh, are we going to try this? Are we going to do that? I'm not sure what we're doing. We're just going to lie here for a bit. Okay, let's try this. Um, things aren't, pers- I wouldn't like have all that imperfection and messiness with them. So sometimes it's awkward. um, But I've been really, really fortunate and very grateful of how supportive he's been of this whole process. And I don't know, part of me wants to ask and part of me like 
is curious but also fears what the answer is like was he just so fed up and desperate that he was willing to try anything anymore i'm not sure um and even if it was that well frankly who cares because we've created this great shift um there's also like that grief piece of like oh what would have happened if we found you 10 years ago Jana? um but at the same time you probably weren't at this stage 10 years ago either so it things have a have a tense i always like to believe that things happen for a reason and the right things come into your life at the right time. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, yeah, so it's, it's been a journey for him and kind of a leap of faith. Um, The program was a big investment of money, frankly, um, and worth every, every penny, not begrudging. And I appreciate like running a program like this, what some of the costs of that are involved with. Um, But it's not um, for us, at least um, it wasn't, yeah jump change um but it's been worth it like I I don't if things had continued the way they were I don't know how much longer I could have tolerated our scheduling and I don't know I have no clue what we would have shifted to next frankly um because it was working for him but was increasingly not working for me mm-hmm. so um yeah that's really interesting to hear that um that he didn't didn't struggle a bit. Like did he so he didn't have feelings of like defensiveness or rejection? <laughs> Are you painting a really pretty picture for us? I'm, I'm painting a pretty picture. There certainly ha- was especially in the early weeks of the program looking at the culture piece, there was a lot of disbelief, defensiveness, dismissiveness like yeah, pushback. Um, the conversations around porn were extremely uncomfortable, awkward, messy, yucky, and we still need to do some work on some of that, frankly. Um, uh, and yeah, I think for him, there was this frustration because um, from his perspective, a lot of this has been my problem. I don't want to say my, I don't think he calls it my fault, but the problem has been my body. Oh, it had the pain. Oh, it had low libido. Oh, it had this. Oh, you have this. And um, that's, that's been hard to swallow at times because you end up, I felt very alone and broken. And again, that's where the community was so, helpful and healing and shifting that realizing it's not just me struggling with these challenges um and that there is a wider picture around the cultural expectations around how i think both men and women but particularly men have been raised to believe sex is should ought to be look like etc and um yeah so yeah, it's not perfect in that regard by any means. There's certainly lots of messiness around the defensive piece. And um, I think that empathy piece of trying to understand, because it's always hard to understand somebody else's experiences um, with um, stuff. Like, Because early on when we were talking about the safety piece, part of what I had to work through was some... Um, non-consensual stuff that had happened in my younger years before my husband so a now i'm talking about somebody else i've been with with my husband which is awkward and then trying to explain like how i put myself in these unsafe situations what was i thinking um 
peace and make peace with that um, and recognize like we carry these scars um, from these different experiences and some are more um, impactful or others, but I was kind of having to reprocess some of that stuff that I thought I had long ago dealt with, boxed up and was done with, um, came out with this. But it was also, I think, good to to dig through some of that old crap. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I say that. Um, and no, we're really- already, we're an explicit rating already. Okay. So we're good. So, um, yeah. So just to put some light on some of that and be able to process it and um, that forgiveness piece. And it's, also fascinating to see how much has changed in the world around consent from when I was a teenager in the nineties to what it's like now, like we've had the whole me too movement and our expectations around um, consent and respecting boundaries. And that is, that terrain has changed so much in such a positive way. And it still needs work. Um, I know by no means is it perfect and crappy stuff is still happening. Um, but it's also amazing to see that shift in a generation um, as well. So. Do you remember this song growing up in the 80s? My body's my body, nobody body yeah. but mine. Do you remember mm-hmm. that? Yeah. You from kindergarten. run your own body, let me <laughs> run mine. Yeah, right? Mm-hmm. With some hippie guy with a guitar. I Duh. looked it up recently because sometimes I make reference to that within whim just to show how simple these concepts are. They're so simple that it's what I learned in kindergarten. So maybe Canada was a little bit ahead on the consent education. (laughs) But I think what ended up happening is it went downhill really quickly after that. I feel like there was an um, insurgence of, of just sort of more awareness and openness around bodies. And now with the evolution of porn and smartphones, I think what is being taught in schools is not touching it at all. Like it is not even nicking the surface compared to the damage that that the violence against women that is aka porn being portrayed mm-hmm. is doing in the world. And um and it's so fascinating to me how we can see the consent education happening, but we still only translate it to dating. Yeah. We don't yet know, and this is sort of one of my my mission, the mission, is to translate mm-hmm. it to is to marriage. Yeah. And even make it even more subtle. And that can get complicated, like you said, because you're looking back in your history with your own current husband and you're making realizations those weren't consensual. If the Mm -hmm. definition of consent is enthusiastic, wanted in the context of safety, acknowledging cultural pressures. So yes, doesn't mean yes, even Mm -hmm. because how many times did you and I say yes, when it really wasn't a yes. Yeah. Yeah. And that's where like looking at how our culture looks at sexuality and the messages around it. And certainly now with pornography, like with my teenagers from an early age, I said, because you can't protect them from that forever. No. Um, I really worked with them with the kind of metaphor of porn is a Marvel car chase, like a, an action movie car chase. It's dramatic, it's exciting, everything's choreographed. 
everyone's perf like somehow everyone comes out safe at the end you don't see the people who've died and smashed up on all the other cars it looks amazing but that's not real life real life is our commute to school every morning in the minivan all right it's safe everyone's strapped in and um it's boring in a sense compared to that drama but recognizing like they're two totally different experiences um and I think as well, part of the challenge with our sexual education, and it came up in women as well, is the boys are taken aside and they're taught about their wet dreams and all this and like, don't get her pregnant and like have fun, but not too much fun and like whatever else. And for girls, it's menstruation and cramps and pain and don't get pregnant, don't catch an STD, you won't be able to have babies, your life will be over. Like it was all this negativity like not was saying the great job sex with sue and doctors westheimer did in terms of sexual education about the the plumbing and the hygiene piece of it but they really didn't talk about the emotional piece of it either it was very biological focused and we're really i think as a culture missing that human side that emotional piece of it and i think like the dutch apparently have an amazing sex education program that starts in toddlerhood and goes right up through um but certainly here in north america um it's really mixed messaging and i think around girls at least for me the messaging was like you're responsible if you get them turned on then what are you going to do about it and so that led into all of that pressure to caretake my husband happy and again taking it all like all off of what i wanted what i found enjoyable what was going to bring me excited and interested back to our bedroom <laughs> as opposed to showing up because it's scheduled and this is on my to-do list and yet these are the things that will work <laughs> mm-hmm. so so totally how, totally how do you deal with his erection now so for now I've left it that that's his responsibility um and there's some friction there. It's that this elephant in the room that is growing a little bit. Um, that no pun intended. I love it. The it's holiday growing. pressures. Yes. Um, I know that's on the, we need to have a, a carefrontation conversation about where that is at this stage. Um, but so far he's been very patient um, and accepting of that's the boundary that I've set. Mm-hmm. Um I'm yeah, not just, just like just yeah. as he's not responsible for your um engorged labia. Yes. Or very engorged much. clitoris. Just mm-hmm. uh, just as he's not responsible for that and taking care of it and, and all mm-hmm. that, you're not responsible for his orgasm. Yeah. His erection. Yeah. It's a tricky one, isn't it, to work through that? It is. And I know it's it's that mindset shift and I'm working still on that. Cause I know this is early days and that this is a journey. Um, it's uh, we're still in our first, like two digits of, of XDs kind of things. Um, so it's that, that patience that if we've done things like for over 24 years, one way, it's not going to change in the space of a few weeks. Um, notwithstanding how amazing your program is like we've got a whole journey ahead of us which is how um you put the teaser at the beginning so maybe I'll throw it in here was how I was struggling with perfectionism and the angst and thinking like we got to learn something and how are we going to shift and my gosh when are we going to get back to PV and all that and I kind of sat there and I did the math and thought well 
we schedule an XD once a month or once a week. So that's 52 a year, lose a couple because of chaos and whatever else and rescheduling. So that's 50 a year. We're in our, like, I'm 49 almost now. Um, so we probably have at least another 20, 30, maybe even 40 years ahead of us. Um, start doing the math. Like there are not just hundreds, but over a thousand XDs in front of us. And that's where I started. I numbered my first one XD0001. And I started a journal because I, I'm a bit of a nerd for learning and wanted to be able to go back and see over time, what are we learning and celebrate this change, this tipping point in our, in our relationship moving forward. And um, yeah, so that's how I posted my first XD and did not expect that to take off in the community. I was so honored. <laughs> when other people kind of bit onto that. So that's the story of the numbering. It was beautiful to watch the, our community coordinator, Melissa and I were, were wondering wow, how, how is it that this round, there's so many people sharing their XDs. So people would go in and, and put a post like XD 001 and then just continue 002. I think we got up to maybe one, four, three, four, something like that. And they would just come back weekly. Here we go. And the focus what was, and, and this is what you modeled and demonstrated, it wasn't, was this a success or failure? Or did we get to the almighty orgasms or whatever? It was, what did I learn? Just bullet mm -hmm. points. I um, Do you remember some of those early learnings that you had? Well, certainly the first one still stands out was recognizing that, oh my gosh, I could be present for this whole thing was like, game changing and it was connecting with having to direct things and then in the second xd it was realizing okay when my husband kind of took the initiative on things then i found myself drifting it would be like me having to say okay in a kind loving way like nope i need you to just to kind of stand down and in, in military parlance i need to step back up to here and i was saying like this is my learning this is my journey right now i need to practice speaking up and like so one of the kind of simple but loving activities we did was I just had him draw on my back and said, okay, I want you to draw the letter T or draw a house or go from one shoulder to the other because I realized I needed that practice of finding, literally finding my voice and speaking up because I had spent years lying there, zipping my mouth, not complaining, speaking up, sharing in the early years, the pain I was in, et cetera. And it, so it's, it's this still weeks into this, I'm still practicing to keep talking <laughs> and sharing things. So yeah, that's been part of it um, is just recognizing. Um, yeah. Those bits of learning and that things look totally, totally different. Um, in an amazing way that I never would have thought possible. Like I keep a journal and when I flip back to when I was initially found your, your podcast and then was contemplating the course and was doing the math of, okay, especially with the Canadian exchange rate, how do I make this work in American dollars? And how do I move the budget around this fall to make this work? I don't really want to put this off for the next session. Um, and um, all that, like, apprehension doubt like we've tried other things nothing worked like is this gonna be the same and just another disappointment and just um 
but still now I look back on that intuitive spark of like, no, something here is going to be different. And I don't, didn't know what it was, but somehow I felt adamant. I wanted to take this leap of faith. And I was so relieved and excited when I finally worked up the courage to pitch it to my husband thinking like, yet another course. Like I've come, come to him with so many books and courses and other things over the years. It's always like this friction point. Um, I really didn't know what his reaction was going to be. And I was so relieved after he listened to at least part of Stuart's podcast. And if you haven't listened to Stuart's podcast out there, go back and find it. It's awesome. Um, and thank you to Stuart, wherever he is in the world, for sharing so vulnerably and honestly and intimately um, his and his partner's experience. Um, that was so brave. Um, yeah, he said yes. And we signed up and we started. And here we are. So super awesome. So beautiful. Rowan, thank you for having the courage to come on the podcast and thank you for your accompaniment and encouragement and love and support in the community. You have been such a, such a valuable member in there and definitely, um, you know, your contributions have, have really changed the course of this round to, to be quite extraordinary. Before we say goodbye, was there anything else that you wanted to share that we haven't covered already? Two things. One, I really had no idea before this how deeply culture had influenced us. And I thought myself pretty darn culturally aware, especially like at the stage of trying to help teenage boys navigate the development of healthy sexuality. I thought I had was quite aware and it was kind of like an iceberg. I really only had seen the tip of it and really didn't appreciate how deep those roots go. Um, and I think the other piece was the safety piece. If you would have asked me before, are you safe? Well, of course I'm safe in my marriage. Like I'm married to a great guy. Like it never would have occurred to me to recognize in hindsight how unsafe things had been um and how impacted I was by that um absence and now recognizing um it's not I don't want to say it's hard to establish safety but it requires it goes back to the boundaries I have to speak up it's not like it's not my husband's like fault or responsibility. Like this is a mutual thing. I have to um, have that courage to speak from the heart and demand, expect, believe I deserve that safety. And that was something I did not see coming out of this course. If you would have asked me beforehand to make predictions. Um, yeah. So yeah. Um, for anyone out there who's listening, who might be going, huh, I'm not sure. Um, definitely, like, I don't want to say you've got nothing to lose by trying this, because <laughs> that's a bit of a cliche, but um, there's so much to explore in this. You've created such a rich and deep program, and the way you're continuing to expand the program for men um, is, I think, amazing, because it's like that yin and yang or cleave together. Um, one person can do a lot of work and shift things, but you can do so much more when you got both people working on things. 
Um, and for them, it's trying to understand, like, it was really hard for my, my husband to face, like, this whole safety piece. It was very, it brought up a lot of shame and confusion and anger and frustration for him because he's a good guy. Like, most guys are great, good, great, great guys. Um, but their lived experience is so different. Like you talk about in the course, the walking through the the parking car garage, like holding our keys, like that's just what women do. <laughs> Men don't have that lived experience for the most part. Um, and uh, yeah, so there's so much to explore in your program, so much to learn. And um, I think hope. Like that's what I really desperately needed when I started this was hope that something could get, that this could all get better. And I feel so grateful for it all. So thank you, Jana, and to you your team. You're so welcome, Rowan. It has been such a joy to spend this time with you. It's been such a delight to hear your insight. And, and thank you to everyone who's listened right to the end. I will talk to you in the next one. Bye for now. I know I just said goodbye, but I wanted to add a little reminder to get registered for the Wanting It More 101 class. If you want to learn more about how our guest today made such big changes in her life and marriage. And I know that life can get busy. So now is the perfect time to head to janadentonhouse.com slash free class to get your spot and finally solve this issue for good. Yes, it is possible. And the first step that our guest today took was to attend this free class. And it is not just a long advertisement for my program, I promise. Outside of the 15 minutes I take to introduce my paid offerings, it's packed full of insight that you can take and implement into your relationship ASAP. Not to mention the validation you will get from seeing hundreds of women say things that you just thought were in your head alone. They aren't, I promise. I hope to see you there.